This is Comic Picks by The Glick. And hey, I'm back this week. I'm your host, Jason Glick. Yeah, this week, well, we're going way back in time. Look, we're not going so far back in time, but we're going back to the 70s or so, because we're talking about Samu Tezuka. Well, you have to, because he's no longer alive. Yes. Yeah, (laughs) Tezuka died back in 88 or so after um, producing a huge amount of of long, over 100,000 pages of work, and to the point where he created some of the most iconic creations of of Japanese manga. We're talking about Astro Boy, Kimba the White Lion, Black Black Jack, like all these great great creations. I mean, the guy was referred to as the god of manga, and I'm willing to like agree to that. Like he was, he created like but a lot of the conventions we see see to these to these day. Like which like he was like when he was right. I mean, he he just like he just like like some. So like one weekend, like hey, you just hey, you know, like I'm gonna create a story about a guy who um, lot who whose body parts are sold off to his dad by by a demon for um for ultimate power, and he has got, got to go and fight fight all these demons to get him back for like one body part at a time. And hey, you created like like the foundations for um for Shonen Jump manga right there with Dororo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um for the most part, a lot of his um a lot of his stuff, I kind of some of the stuff I find like. Like kind of juvenile and childish. Like, I'm not going to say what. We'll probably come back to that in a later podcast because really, it's like you can't just say one podcast about something. You got to like create like an like an epic amount. Yeah, because he's legendary. He's an epic. Um, yeah, he, he's created like so much stuff. And he's gone through so many transmutations in his style over the years that you can't just like I can't like talk about it all this stuff in like 20, 30 minutes. And he influenced the whole generation. Too. Yeah, like, like really. In fact, artists. I'm just going to stick to like talking about the three bricks. That he that have, of his work that have been re, um, produced through um, vertical publishing, and they've they've dedicated themselves to producing to reproducing a lot of his um, most noteworthy stuff. Um, the most noteworthy of which is um, called Otakirihito. Um, Otakirihito is a story of um, Kirihito Osunai, a doctor at this major metropolitan hospital, who is studying this um, this um, disease called Monmo disease, which turns um, um, normal humans into beast humans. Like you get like they they that like dog like dog get dog like dog faces and like start growing fur like just turn to beasts and all. It's like beasts from the X Men. <laughs> oh, it's, yeah, it's like it's to be honest, it's not too far off. But really, it's like um like um Tezuka's approach basically focuses on like what more what it means to be human. It actually, has an actual endpoint as opposed to beasts or which if he ever came human again. Which I'm pretty sure he might have, might have been at some at several different points in, in the X Men saga, but like you know, I say like, you can't have Beast become human again because he wouldn't be Beast anymore. Right. Yeah. With this story, um, it's it's a great moral story of um of of Kirito's struggle to find the roots of this disease, um, after succumbing to it himself. Because at one point, after he's gone gone to the um gone to the mountain village where it's where it originated, he he contracts himself um because and then and he eventually he's um sold he sold to slavers um as as a group uh, um for in order to get him out of the country because his the doctor who was supervising his research is also has his own theory about the disease that it's that's contagious it's a contagious disease that where these people need to be isolated and not and not exposed to anyone else. But while while Osunai um, is shipped out to the country, he basically encounters a whole series of trials where he's um, displayed for amusement by other people, where he's um, rescued and has to trek um, trek across across the the Arabic countryside with a girl who made her living being a uh, uh, 
what is it? A, a like a living like like a living taco taco ball where she's 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 um dipped in batter and fried up and emerges it from from it unscathed. I mean, it's crazy stuff. <laughs> that is crazy. Yeah, and I takoyaki is that yeah takoyaki where she's also and she's also a nymphomaniac as well and she's trying to um bed Osanai all this time but he um eventually he keeps resisting her as he's trying to be faithful to his to his one to his one girlfriend even though he actually had sex with another woman up in the uh, mountain village. Oh. It's crazy complex moral stuff. The thing about the series that makes it work is that none of these characters are actually are actually villains. I mean, also he's he's got he's essentially the hero but he's also got his moral failings as I just stated. Then you've got his um his other his other buddy um the another doctor who who who's um try who almost has who tries to um sexual assault um Osanai's um Osanai's um girlfriend, but then he actually he's also doing his own research into the disease and trying to find a way to prove that Osanai was in the right, but he just he's just so weak that he can't resist giving it into temptation whenever it presents himself. And even then, um um Osanai's doctor, who's um who set him up for this stuff in the first place, even though he believes that um this disease is really contagious. Um, even in the face of proof that it's not, he's he's still trying to do the right thing in order to like, see the disease, this disease is treated right. He's just going about it in a way that like that's extremely self-serving. None of these people are very are bad like conventional evil personas, but they've all got they've all got their own like um human humanistic agendas that they want that they're trying to work with, and it's great to see how they. Like how they progress over the course of the novel. I mean, the novel has a feeling of this: like you're going through a very, very dark tunnel, and at the very end, you see you're seeing a light. As as eventually, like the truth of this disease and the struggles of the characters are eventually, eventually come full come full circle. It's a great it's a great story, and I and I recommend to anyone if you want to see why Tezuka is called the god of manga, what his storytelling skills at at his at his best. Go by Otohiro. I mean, like, he's Tezuka does have a very cartoonish style. I mean, like, it's been compared to like almost Disney-esque at times. But with uh-huh. Kirihito, um, it's still already still fantastic. I mean, like, it's he can draw just about anything from from beasts, humans to like really to like like very stylized characters. I mean, like even if like some of the characters like do have a very cartoonish aspect, they never lose their their humanity or their ability to express gen- genuine emotion. I mean, it's 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 great stuff. And God knows, like I got no ideas how this this would work as a mo- as an anime, but I doubt we'd ever be able to see something like that. Yeah. But you know, it's like fortunately for us, um, Vertical has did not stop with them producing bricks of Tezuka's work. They've also done other stuff. The, the one that followed after um, Kirihito is. Um, Apollo song. It's a story, his meditation on sex, on sex and reincarnation and everything. It starts off with one of the most ridiculous anthropomorphizations you'll ever see. It's basically, you see all these guys right here? Mm-hmm. Let's see. Guys, all 500 million of us will race to the death to reach our one and only queen. All but one lucky winner will perish. The odds are 500 million to one. Ready? Go. And it shows all these like 500 million people racing to meet this one girl and in this cavern. And you know, it's like you look at this and you think, "Hey, you know, that's that's kind of an interesting situation." But what does it represent, really? You know, it's mm. it's sex. It's five hundred million sperm r- r- racing to mate with this one with this one girl in the egg. <laughs> and it's 
yeah, that's that's kind of that's the story right here. It's basically his meditation on sex and death, starting with um, Shogo, this crazy guy who hates um, hates any type of love. I mean, he he's basically committed to the to an asylum for killing all these killing animals that basically um, try to mate together because he's he hates any kind of expression of love and so we they figure like hey if he's killing animals all these times he's eventually going to graduate to humans so we're going to treat him with electroshock therapy but you know electroshock therapy doesn't doesn't just um like you know like straighten him out basically sends him towards this um possession of a goddess who tells him that he has sinned against love and is now going is now doomed to fall in love over over generations and only to um have his as he falls in love to be separated from his from his true love at the point of death, and it's left to the up to the audi- up to the audience to the readers, um, like perception to determine whether or not this is actual this is actually happening, or if it's just like a hallucination by Sogo, because like as he wakes up from this trance, he realizes like Doctor, what'd you do? Why did I see this like goddess and all? And then um, it eventually like as he fa- as he undergoes more like more more treatment, he's um, he eventually flashes back into other other lives. One being as a um, as a Ger- as a German Nazi commandant, I uh, guarding these people who are going on a train and then saving this one Jewish girl who strikes his fancy. And as he tries to save her, like as she after after the train is, is attacked, she shoots him. And then he but and he's about to die as this other Nazi guys come and try to try to attack her. And then that's just one story. Then he eventually wakes up and wakes up, goes goes through more like, therapy. Then fall goes falls asleep again. Then goes wakes up in another illustration where he's um, escorting this one reporter type chick who's doing this one who's doing her own reporting story. And they wind up in this island where all these animals have paired up together, kind of like a Norse Ark type story. And he's trying to and he and um, as he he's learned about like. Human relations through all these animals who have established this perfect society together, and then the other one is where he's always in the far future, and um, he's like, this like uh, this assassin who's like tasked with the, the, trying to destroy the the robotic the robotic queen of the robots um, in order to uh, save all humans who are who are in this world. And like the thing is, like the robot queen is trying to find out what what is love. What are these what are these people trying to do? What, what how do humans experience this or robots can't? I mean, it's as it's, as his um, story is played out in the real in the real world. It's just it's just kind of strange because like he's falling in love with this girl who wants to train him as a as a world world class 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 athletic runner. But he's also like going back and forth between these these um, past past and future storylines. I mean, on one hand, I will say that like, a lot of these sto- the weakness of these individual stories that they don't. Generate a real emotional connection. Like you don't necessarily believe that Shogo is is truly like like these are the loves of his life and all. But as they, as you keep experiencing the story, it kind of gets to the accumulation where right? where you get the like Shogo like surely is learning what it means to love and why he's falling in love with this girl who's training him. But naturally, it can't end well because you know like this he's 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 sinned against love and he can't. And he's doomed to um, like experience love, but then just as his relationship reaches the working point, she gets taken away from him. And it's it's a strange, interesting story. But if you're interested in, in all what Tezuka does, it's it's 
the fact that it's like he makes all these spare parts work into a coherent story, it's it's still interesting to see it as as it happens. And I'd still recommend this to anyone who's interested in Tezuka's work, or just like how or any old school manga as well. I mean, it's it's only it's only twenty bucks for like five hundred pages, so like you got yourself a good deal right there. I mean, like Hirohito was let's see was twenty five bucks for like eight hundred pages, and like that's that's your good deal right there. Cool. So like really. Heather, it's it's strange, strange all weird stuff that you're not going to see from like your regular like mainstream manga that you that you see making the bestseller lists for the New York Times or you see lining on the shelves in your um, normal borders, but it's it's good stuff. Um, that being said, his the uh, most recent brick they've released from him is called series is a book called M.W. More than anything else, this is more the most anti-Tezuka work that, you, that you'll see. Because hmm. while he's best known for like, you know, best, you know, like this Astro Boy, Kimba the White Lion, like, like fam, almost family-friendly stuff. I mean, the stuff I've described before isn't really family-friendly. But this is like Tezuka going like, hey, you know what? This is like, this is me going at, you never see me doing like this work. Here's me telling about the story of Michio Yuki, a, um, a uh, role-respected banker who also makes, who also has a hobby of killing um, killing, um, p- killing people just for kicks, and also dressing up as a dressing up as a girl in order to um, sedu- seduce people and and I and screw people's minds. And, oh, and also there's the fact that I'm also having having sex with this priest, who whose gang back in the day um, int- uh, exposed me to this um, toxic gas called MW, um, that um, dis- that destroyed my morality, my sense of morality way back in the day. Hmm. I mean, yeah, you get the sense that that uh, Tezuka is really trying to create a, a work that is um, the opposite of what people have come to expect from him. Mm-hmm. But he still, he still knows how to craft, how to plot a great a great suspense thriller. I mean, like, you've got, even though, like, um, Yuki is, is truly, truly immoral, he's, there's no limits to what he's going to do. There's still a thrill to seeing how, what lengths he's going to go to. Um, but the real problem with this story um, more than anything else, I mean, like the, the plotting, the plotting is sound. It's got like a lot of interesting plot twists. But the plot, the problem is that you know, like, like uh, a great vil- great villain is judged by his antagonists, and essentially, um, um, Yuki's antagonist is um, Father Iwao Garai, like the guy who who was um, originally a gang member who um, just like who. Who on um, one to when he was when he kidnapped um, Yuki as a kid and tried tried to get this um, it, he and his buddies were just gang gang banging out on this one island like um, wound up um, ba- like actually um, having sex with um, with Yuki as a kid because like that's the thing about that's the thing about this book it's, it also describes the um, Japanese point of view of homosexuality is like hey you know, if the guy is pretty enough it doesn't matter. <laughs> Yeah, and it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, it's like I'm sure like fangirls love that kind of that kind of stuff, but it's one of those things where it's kind of you know I really don't think um, homosexuality like like guys like function that way at all, and it's one of those things if you if that that gets you you're just gonna go you're gonna roll your eyes and go oh god why bother, <laughs> but the thing is with Garai, I mean Garai he's. We see, rather than just be, I mean, he's yeah, he's a priest. He's supposed to represent like the moral upstanding thing, and even though he's really got like some really checkered past, guy is really really stupid. I mean, like he he sees all the stuff that Yuki has done, but he just can't. 
he's always in some sort of morally compromised position in order to to stop, try and stop Yuki. I mean, he's at one point Yuki eventually tricks him into shooting a girl who is already dead to think that um, Garai did it. I mean, but really, it comes to me to more to be perfectly honest. Like Garai comes off as as a lot of the character, all of the women I read in hentai manga, who just like, oh, they're being blackmailed by a guy who are who's blackmailing in, in them into doing even worse stuff than he uh, than he originally caught them doing in the first place. And as far as the whole hentai manga thing, yeah, it's like I read all that stuff, but I'm never going to talk about it because it's really not of any literary merit whatsoever. <laughs> you mean people look at it for the pictures? Yeah, I mean, it's like if you, I mean, really, it's like, uh, yeah, it's like. Um, it's like all hentai manga. It's it's all for the whacking off more than just like any liter- <laughs> literary merit, and that's 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 the uh, tradition that um regularly that Mr. Garai Harris hails from. And he's just kind of the guy who you know like yeah you're gonna like at one point one of the um, priests says yes you I understand what you he confesses to all the sins. The priest says yeah you're gonna burn for what you've done, but that's what God has intended for you. But and then he still keeps doing um, what what Yuki has um, blackmailed him into doing, uh-huh. and you're kind of like, oh god, dude, you're so screwed. Just, just admit that you're screwed and die. <laughs> Which yeah, he eventually does. But it's kind of like, uh, and I, I have more sympathy for the uh, for the prosecutor that's going after um, Yuki throughout the whole thing. I mean, it's it's a good it's a good thriller for the most part. And even though like you get the sense that, that Tezuka is going after the whole. He's I'm, I'm producing a book that that is the opposite of what I've been known for. He's still got a, enough storytelling sense to make make that kind of thing work. And it doesn't come off as as pretentious, as pretentious or like self indulgent. And p- p- that being said, it the really thing I can really I have to complain about is also the ending, which basically it's one of those thriller endings that that goes, that it, yeah it's an end, but also implies that oh wait it's not over. Because it's gonna keep going, and because you you see this and it's like no, don't do this. This is this is ridiculous. She just had it end right there, but you know, I still I still like it. I still recommend it to anyone who's interested in Tezuka. Like it's probably I admit it might be the least of his of the three bricks that the vertical is reduced, but that's still worth worth checking out. Like. I will admit that you're probably going to have to want to employ the Amazon discount for this more than the other two. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And like I said, I'll probably come back to talking about Tezuka at some point. Though the short version is everything that has been released from Vertical by Tezuka is worth buying. Hmm. Same with Biz. Regrettably, though, Dark Horse, even though Dark Horse publishes the best manga in the U.S., in my opinion, Dark Horse really got the shaft um, as far as um, producing the. I'm licensing the quality Tezuka stuff. They got his early stuff, which I think is his weakest. And yes, that includes Astro Boy. You can hate me on that for later. <laughs> but we'll come back to that at some point because, you know, you can't just do one podcast about Tezuka. So true, so true. Indeed. Okay, on that note, we're calling it a night. All right, see you next time. <laughs>